John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 1098.LK0506, certificate number Fifty-eight. I feel like the But but you're right. There's the, been an attempt. We've heard from uh, millenniums and from Gen Z listeners who are like, "Why don't you ever talk about? Hey, what about Boy Meets World? Yeah, what? How? You know, how come we never hear about the early days of Facebook? Well, I want to. I want to talk about uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fallout Boy. You're doing was, your invitation. I, I was like, what? 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 What would these people? What would these millennials actually want to hear a show about? Grimes. They want to. They want to talk about Grimes all the time. <laughs> Uh, the, but it's not just that. I mean, it's not just 20th century generations. You know, I, I feel like if this is a true portrayal of all of human culture and history, there would be just as many shows about the eighth century as there are about the 19th. And instead, every other show is about 19th century America. Well, but I should say that part of the inspiration for this show, when we initially came up with the idea, was a recognition that as we transition from a culture based on things recorded on paper to right. a culture based on uh, things carried in the cloud, we saw all these things that were not going to make the transition and they would remain on paper, burned, and eventually decayed into nothing. And then, and so our job was to make that transition. Now, the things that happened in 800 maybe didn't even make it onto paper. And that was some future omnibuses, or I'm sorry, some past omnibuses responsibility. Maybe they did. Somewhere there's a time capsule and we're going to open it up and it's going to be more A and Nazir type stuff. Like you would not believe what went viral in Macedonia in the year 566. That's interesting. I hope that that's true. I hope that in some cave in Palestine, somebody opens a jar 
and it's full of the apocrypha, except the apocrypha is all about... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what's a bummer about the Dead Sea Scrolls. You open them up, you're like, look at this. This could be anything. Oh, oh, it's the uh, Bible it's again. It's the more, more of the it's Bible. M- more Bible. Was that a complaint we had? There was not enough of the Bible? Remember when they found that Quran in the attic of, of a mosque somewhere, and it turned out that it was not quite the canonical uh, Quran, and that created a lot of problems. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean... I was know, fine with it. <laughs> among, among, you know, the interested parties. Sure. But yeah, right. Where are the, like, sports statistics that are hidden in a jar? Where are the... We need more... Uh, yeah, we need more celebrity feuds, maybe. Come like, on. like we don't know which relative of the emperor hated, uh, you know, some some somebody in the the sultan's entourage. Like that's the good stuff. Or for me, uh, descriptions of of uh, of of different kinds of armaments or armaments. What I, would you say, Arm, armaments? I think you said it right. Okay. Uh, you know, like oh, this chariot, the X one two chariot, is like so much. Faster in a turn than the X fourteen, and I just want to know like which which mosaic floor mosaic designer was cheating on on his wife, yeah, um, or you know f- found a new found a new protege in the in the fresco field. Nope, more Bible. Sorry, uh, I mention all this because uh, one year that I believe has not entered the omnibus yet is two thousand twenty one. That's huh. Uh, I'm going to take the unusual step. Of adding an entry to the omnibus that is uh, at this, as we record this today, maybe only six months old. April hmm. from March 2021. Would that be April, May, June, July, or September? Yeah, just over six months. Six old. months old. Late March of 2020. Set the scene back. Do you remember? Can you remember what you were doing in late March of 2021? <laughs> Grimes and Elon Musk were still together. Britney Spears uh, still uh, didn't have control of her conservatorship yeah my life still felt pretty wild in in march of 2021 but now i'm super chill you were a much younger man i was i mean you were anything could happen back then but now it seemed like the future was so bright and full of possibility it it definitely seemed like we would be um all vaccinated and healthy by summer (laughs) didn't we get vaccinated in march of 2021 wasn't that about about vaccination season i think i got mine in April. But yes, you're a lot older than me. You probably got vaccinated in March. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do we need to call you an ambulance, old dad? There was a story um, from Taiwan that involved both salmon and chaos. And as a resident of the Pacific Northwest, what are the two things we're into here, John? Salmon and chaos. I mean, as, as previously discussed, I am chaotic neutral alignment. And I love salmon. Like you love to eat them or you love their ecosystem and, and whatnot? Their I love their life well, cycle. As someone who grew up in Alaska, which I don't know if I've ever mentioned on the show before. No, you're from Alaska. Yeah. Um, salmon play an outsized role in our culture there. And here in Washington, where most of the salmon fishermen actually live year round. They don't want to live in Alaska for the winter. But you and I, we go to the locks. You and I have gone to the locks uh, before together, haven't we? People are going to think we're talking about locks L-O-X. Oh, we have also gone to the locks, if you know what I'm we saying. We love both kinds of salmon here. We like locks and locks. Yeah, the locks I'm referring to are the fish locks. The fish lock or the, the fish ladder at the boat locks in Ballard, Washington. Oh, it's true. The fish don't use the locks. No. That's a fair point. <laughs> Although probably some fish sneak Just, into the locks. But they don't actually have to tie up. Right. Um, and guys yell at them for doing it wrong. No, there's a fish ladder, a great uh, brutalist fish ladder um, <laughs> that uh, you can actually go down in and watch uh, sort of aquarium style through the glass, watch the salmon make their their leap. 
walks are a little bit sad to me, or the fish ladder there is a little bit sad because, you know, I've now been living in Seattle long enough that I remember big, healthy salmon runs. Yeah. And it's been pretty rough lately due to what do we think habitat loss and maybe there's something in the no, water it's and freaking seals the <laughs> harbor seals we got to eliminate the harbor seals and the orca they're really eating up all the salmon so we need the to... problem is we like the orca we need to find mm. other ways to bulk up the salmon so the orca can eat their fill and yet um you and i still get to enjoy a salmon-based lifestyle guilt-free well we did the thing where we tore down a few dams that was good we and we restored we blew them up we restored those salmon because salmon can't get upstream right here's the thing about salmon they want to get upstream they want to get upstream they want they have they have sex on their minds yes they do and if there's a big cement wall in the way i mean you and i have probably had similar experiences in in courtship rituals in trying to have sex and there's a big cement wall in your way yes you know how it is i do you know how it be I do, and I and you know, and I wish to have blown up those dams with my uh, charisma bomb, uh, <laughs> and it, it didn't always work. But but uh, but, but the State I, Department of the Interior has access to, to a better kind of charisma. Bomb. I think that the, I think that some salmon runs have have are, are in the process of being successfully uh, reestablished. But the one that goes into Lake Washington and then up the up the rivers, up the Cedar River. Still have that those fish have a few, few disadvantages. That's a crazy journey to me. I mean, you, you, you think about salmon swimming upstream, but you have to imagine just the logistics of a salmon is in the ocean. It has to find a way, you know, it has to find a, a, a stream or river running into the ocean. And then, you know, as you say, that stream is going to go through Like in this case, it goes through lakes. It goes through a canal. Yeah. Um, it's fed by a bunch of others. The lake is fed by a bunch of other streams. It has to find the right outlet. Man, in, in in Alaska, you can be pretty far into the interior of the state, many, 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 many miles from the ocean, and the salmon run. You know, the salmon are up there; they They're get still coming. They get all the way up, and you know, big, big fish in these little tiny creeks. It's a good motivator. Sex. That's crazy. But by the time they get up there, of course, they're not good eating anymore. They're they're pretty. They've used all their yeah. body fat. To, that's why they're such a delicious fatty fish. They need all those energy stores to get back to the exact geographic center of the state of Alaska. <laughs> this is a story about uh, how salmon are good eaten. Yeah, good. Um, it's true. Salmon are a favorite uh, ingredient in Japanese cuisine and yep. sushi and sashimi. Maybe not the you know they it's not their favorite. They, tuna. They is would the eat big more one. tuna. Yeah, that's to the to the trained sushi palate. Different. One- species and parts of the tuna. One of my uh my regular sushi companions really likes the shrimp and salmon and I really like the mackerel and the tuna. I'm a shrimp and salmon guy and I think it means I have a child's palate. Well, and so so when we get a big sushi thing, I always kind of slide the shrimp and salmon over to her. She slides the mackerel, the oilier fish over to me and we, and everyone's happy. It sounds like you and I need to go to sushi. Yeah. Cause Mindy and I, neither of us like mackerel much. Oh, so, wow. So we kind of have to say omakase except. Oh no, I'll, I'll eat all the, you know, the oilier, the better, but I've spent a lot of time in Basque country. So I, I have a, I've developed a taste for I salty nor- oily. I normally don't mind the salty oily fishes of Southern Europe. Like my very favorite olive in the world 
is these anchovy stuffed ones that they used to have at my Seattle market that they don't have anymore. Oh, that is a, that's, <laughs> that's something you should take to Twitter and say, how dare they? So I went a couple times and I asked, hey, what happened to the anchovy stuffed ones? And I think they thought it was different people because the more times I asked, they would be like, oh yeah, two other people asked that. And then the next time I would ask, they'd be like, oh yeah, three other people have asked that. Yeah, three other They didn't seem to realize it was all me. <laughs> And then Daffy Duck showed up. But this is one of those. Uh, this is one of those grocery stores in Seattle that has like six hundred kinds of olives, yes, right? Yes. If, if I wanted it stuffed with almonds or uh, garlic cloves or any kind of pepper, I'd be fine. But I want salty, oily, uh, pureed fish. When I walk into a grocery store in Seattle and it has an olive bar, I pivot on my heel and am scray. Because it just, it, I know for a fact that they're not going to have- the, the sheet cake won't be good. They're not going to have good chocolate chip cookies in this place. <laughs> they're not going to have enough brands of breakfast cereal. That's, That's my right. problem. That's like, right. I love an olive bar supermarket, and I love a Count Chocula supermarket, but there is, they're two different stores. Yeah. And you got you to gotta hit both, I guess. Um, do you ever do, speaking of sushi- Yeah. Uh, do you ever Let's solve talk your- more about sushi. Do, <laughs> do you ever solve your sushi compatibility issues with the conveyor belt sushi? So in the south end of Seattle, there are no conveyor belt sushi restaurants. I don't even know which have survived the pandemic. The Blue Sea, Blue sea sushi is gone, I is think, it? everywhere. The, the, the north end of Seattle is where you're going to find your novelty sushi restaurants. There are a couple down- For white people, is that what you're saying? Well, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the fun sushi restaurants. The ones down in the south end are for serious- People the ones that, up north, the, a lot of the rolls are going to have cream cheese on them. I think you'll find. There is a, there is a place uh, in South Center. I don't know if you know about this place. It's a giant, I think it used to be a furniture warehouse. And now it is an Asian, and by Asian, I mean encompassing yeah. all Asian foods, buffet, where you walk in and you pay seventeen ninety five, and you can get everything, you know, Mongolian grill, sushi, Anything you can Filipino, think of. Filipino, lumpia, yeah. sushi, uh, bulgogi, whatever. And it's sort of a thing where you walk around and there's just a bunch of, you know, different colored plates for like, oh, unagi is more than row. That's the conveyor belt sushi system. Yeah. They just, they just count the colors of your plates when you're done and they know what you took off the belt. And it seems so easy in the conveyor belt place to like, oh, here's a thing I want. And then they count it up and it's like, you yeah, $80 in sushi. But so this one, but it's $17.95 for all you can eat, or maybe it's $24 now. Uh, but it really it's it's got is it good? very bright fluorescent lights in there. And like all my favorite restaurants. And if, if you are a gaijin, you know, you stand out in the in the restaurant uh because it's catering to a you know uh the, the diversity of the South End. And it's about well, you're also six foot three with a blonde beard, so <laughs> it's about low cost sushi. So, I mean, yes, it's good. I will eat almost any sushi. I don't have to go to I Love Sushi down on Lake Union and pay four hundred dollars to eat sushi. I guess we should explain to the future that in our time, food is not usually brought to your table on a series of moving belts because maybe they have that. Um, mm, yeah. But uh, I mean, in a way, the Gulf Stream is a moving belt that brings seafood to you. That's true. Yeah. Well, it brings seafood to the people who bring seafood to me. It's much more direct in a conveyor belt sushi. But if you're a if you are a sentient squid, yeah. The, this, this whole episode is a, is a hate crime, basically. <laughs> <laughs> At a conveyor belt sushi restaurant, the food is all the food is always circulating among the tables. 
there's often not a server or if there is, it's just someone to bring you drinks and, and out and bill. It used to be that you could just sit there and watch people sneeze right on the sushi that See, was going That's by. why I don't love it. I mean, sushi is the, is a food that I guess is supposed to be room temperature, but it's definitely not a food that was supposed to be a, have been made a few hours ago. Yeah. The, after it's gone around three times, I feel like right. it should be, it should be yanked. And there's always the sense that if this food got to you, it's because every other diner on the other side of the restaurant, turned it down. Yeah. And that's not a vibe I want when I'm choosing food. I'll yeah. just eat this thing that nobody else wanted, I, I guess. But my kids thought it was super fun. One of the times I've been to the Conveyor Belt Sushi Restaurant was with you and your family. When your kids no. were younger, you and Mindy and uh, Dylan and Kate, I think the Dylan was probably, I don't know, 10? I mean, it was years ago. We went to where? Blue Sea Blue Sushi sea? in, Which in one? Fremont. Oh, that... The- and you were like, oh, yeah, let's meet for sushi. And, you know, it was. Are you sure you're not thinking of some other friend with two kids? No, it was. Because my kids, guys. my kids did go to that Fremont Blue Sea Sushi, but I did not. So they would often go when I was out of town. <sighs> well, maybe I went just with Mindy. Are you in, were you and Mindy <laughs> having sushi? I, mean, I probably shouldn't have outed her <laughs> on the show. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was one of those where, I mean, I think you did go kicking and screaming, but there's an element of you that feels like you're kicking and screaming everywhere you go. Yeah. That's as soon as you have to leave your house, you're like, ah, here's the problem. I'm not home. (laughs) Do I have to? (laughs) Even on Christmas, when you invited us to go to your temple, you were like, okay, I guess I gotta go. I got all these responsibilities. There was a, uh. You know, the conveyor belt sushi kind of matches a lot of the, um, I've been to a place, I've been to conveyor belt sushi in Tokyo and it really kind of matches the, oh, really? the kind of modern efficient sense of, uh, of fast paced city life in, in bustling Asian capitals. Do you remember the iron horse cafe in pioneer square? I uh, never went. It's now a police museum. Yeah. But at the time pioneer square was really the last days of the old West. I mean, there were still gunslingers down there. And it was a restaurant where the, it was a hamburger joint, but they would bring your food, your food would come to the table on a Lionel train <gasps> that went all the way around the restaurant. And when you walked in the front door, there was a drawbridge that had to open for you to go in. I'm still gasping from the last thing, but I'm going to gasp wider. <gasps> and then the drawbridge would close, locking you in and all around in Pioneer Square. I mean, seriously, it was like, it was like. Uh, the Bronx is burning down there. Hooverville. Like, really, really nuts. 1975. But there was this choo-choo train restaurant, and we would make a special trip down there. Was it for kids? Like, was it No, kids it was just and- a restaurant that this was their theme. I mean, it, nothing down there. And that was when Chinatown was crazy, too. There was no thing down there for kids. Not a, not no. a thing within five miles of there was that's for, for kids. That's why this surprises me. But this we sh- loved it. And, and, you know, and you'd just sit there, and the train would go by... With other people's food, and you'd watch the hamburgers go by. And it was, you know, the train could sometimes extend to six flat cars if it was a big table and six different people were getting, uh, you know, French dips. And the train would just go, oh, it's so great. Why they ever closed it down? And the fact that it's a police museum is such a slap in the face. I think it's time for you to reopen it. Maybe take over one of those, the closed police precincts here. Hello. And put in a new model train <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> take over the East Precinct yeah. and make a giant train-themed restaurant. Take that, Millenniums. So uh, sushi. Um, oh, sure. It's not, uh, you know, sushi is popular all over Asia. It's. Um, but it's a, it's a luxury food. It is. It's, yeah. you know, it's because, uh, you know, they 
if you're going to eat much of the fish in it is raw, much of the fish, the seafood in it is sashimi. You need a high grade of fish because you don't want to eat. I'm not eating all you can eat sushi at self center. Sorry, John. Uh, most um, of it is is imitation crab anyway. <laughs> crab with a K. <laughs> but um, in Taiwan, uh, there's a popular chain of sushi restaurants called Sushiro. There's 20 different outlets all over all over the island of Taiwan. The Taiwanese um, have wonderful memories of the Japanese <laughs> <laughs> that they want to evoke all the time with their... That's how good Japanese food is, that you're willing to overlook a lot of what happened in southern China. Uh-huh. Um, and in early spring of this year, in uh, 2021, Sushiro announced to its faithful Taiwanese diners that they were going to have a new promotion starting where if your name, you the diner, if your name had the characters for salmon, gui yu, and... Um, is that a phonetic uh, use of the of what would be the characters from... It's not kanji, it's... Um, what is the Chinese? What's the word for the Chinese alphabet? In, well, in Japan, the Chinese characters are kanji. But, but, this but is, these are just the Chinese characters. This is in Taiwan, right. so it is... What's the what's the alphabet called? I don't know. They just say Chinese characters, don't they? In China, to them, it's well. They, to them, like, they would just say characters. Is it like a French dip? <laughs> in France, yeah, in they France just say dip. Just called a dip. Yeah. <laughs> to them, they're just characters. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's a Chinese word. But I'm wondering whether it whether the two characters are whether yeah. they are pi- pictographic or uh, of salmon or whether it's it's um, it's not phonetic. It's not phonetic. No. Okay. Um, and in fact, you know, there are different ways to exp- you know you can express the same name with different characters in Chinese-speaking places. Um, in this case, if your name just had any characters that could be pronounced Guiyu, you would eat at a substantial discount. for the, You know, this is their, uh, you know, it's their equivalent of Lobster Fest or Shrimp Fest or whatever at Red Lobster. For, for two days, it's um, steeply discounted seafood for anybody who has the characters that sound like Guiyu. But if you have the exact characters that mean salmon, because, again... And they have Different. to be, uh, they, they can't be widely separated in your name. No. They have to be next to they each must other. must be consecutive. Then for the, this two-day Salmon Fest, you not only do you eat free, but you can bring five guests to eat free. You know, here in the United States, sushi sells itself. Have you ever even seen an advertisement for a sushi <laughs> restaurant? It's like, if you know, if you want sushi, if you know enough to get sushi, you, you're not going to be... I don't think a I don't think a regular person that doesn't eat sushi already yes. is going to be swayed by a discount. Well, we're sushi. not a culture that has middle brow uh, sushi chains the way we do have kind of yeah m- kind of middle tier Italian. Lucy sushi was one of those. That's true. It seemed like it was a populist. You know, up on Capitol Hill, there was and is Hana, or no Hana? I think closed. Hana was the closest thing you would get to blue collar. Sushi, it just was a real like working person sushi restaurant, which was a, a great asset to the city. And I think it's, I think it, it might have finally disappeared. There was a place in Wallingford that had, um, you know, always lines out the door because you could get, you know, you could get a like a, it was just a good deal. Like it, it was high quality fish, but you could get a chirashi bowl for, you know, for yeah 13 yeah. bucks instead of the Seattle 26 or, or whatever it was. And uh, I just saw they've opened, I think, believe they've opened a second one in a closed coffee house, which means there is now a coffee and sushi pl- place That's in uh, 
in could, Ballard. You couldn't make a restaurant more for me. <laughs> so we're like, uh, I'm sure this is the the point of this story. Was it com- are are those common characters in Chinese names? No, it would not be unheard of to have characters pronounced Guiyu, but you know, to actually have the word salmon, the characters for salmon in your name. Would be very unusual. I'm sure Just they... As it would here in the United States. <laughs> if your name oh, was Ken... Ken you've got Sam, Je- Salmon. Don't you have Ings. Salmon P. Chase, former uh, governor of Ohio and uh, U.S. <laughs> Chief Justice? Yeah. Like, that guy was born in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. In early 21st century Taiwan, that guy would have cleaned up. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they had... It was just a promotional thing. Like, yeah. I doubt... You know, we've uh, maybe we've mentioned the famous McDonald's screw-up in the 80s where they would give away free food for every U.S. gold medal. In the 84 Olympics. Do you remember this? Oh, uh, vaguely. But they announced it before the Warsaw, the USSR and the Eastern European countries boycotted. So So the U.S. won all these events that McDonald's thought were impossible. They're like, yeah, you'll get a Big Mac if the U.S. wins a gold medal in, uh, you know. (laughs) Hockey and gymnastics. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then they all happened and they, uh, McDonald's took a bath. There was a Haagen-Dazs in the university district that briefly in 1992 offered a free scoop of ice cream to anyone with a facial piercing uh, back when nobody had facial piercings. Or I guess it was any, I guess it was any piercing that wasn't your ears. Why are they trying to encourage this? What, what is Hagen, what's Hagen Dazs' percentage? Trying to be cool. You know, 1992 in Seattle, you know. And so a group of us went and put clip-on earrings in our noses and went down and... Uh, Did they check? Was there a poll test? No, it was just some kid working the counter. You know, we were like, hey, man, give us our free scoop. Because Denny's will make sure it's your birthday. Oh, they will? I believe. Oh. Don't they want to see a license? I don't know. Uh, Sushiro wanted to see a license. You would have to show your national ID card to prove that your name was indeed Guiyu or pronounced Guiyu. And, you know, please send in corrections on my Mandarin pronunciation. I'm sure the tones are terrible. I knew uh, a girl. I went to Gonzaga which we called GU, Gonzaga University, for a couple of years. And there was a girl from China whose name was GU, who uh, was a friend of mine. And it was, um, maybe her name was Guiyu, and it really was, her name was Salmon. And she was just uh, loving the free sushi? Well, no, she just, she didn't bother to try and pronounce her name to us because uh, we would have screwed it up. Maybe she even did pronounce it right, and I was like, GU? GU, got it. <laughs> Check. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> now, uh, in... I should say that she made a fort out of blankets under her desk in her dorm room. Should you say that, though? Lived in the fort. Should you say that? I don't know. Maybe not. To what degree is that relevant to the uh, sushi chains of modern day Taiwan? Perhaps not, but she was, a very, she was a very charismatic person, and that always seemed to me to be maybe the best... She was one of the best people I ever met at, oh. in college. Do we know where she is now? No, I lost touch with her. I was in love with her roommate. If you're listening to this now, uh, G, you are possibly Gui. We don't know how John mangled your name. Yeah. Um, please get in touch. But you, maybe you can see where this is going. So you have to show your national ID card to get your free sushi for March, on March 17th and 18th. In 2015, Taiwan had somewhat liberalized its laws regarding legal name changes. Oh, okay. Uh, as other Asian countries have. Um, is that right? Why? Well, uh... <laughs> I mean, just maybe just a greater sense of personal liberty and autonomy, you know, less a sense of, look, buddy, you're going to be named what your parents named you. Often in Asia, I believe it's driven by, um, there's a new trend toward picking um, uh, uh, auspicious or fortunate names. Oh. Um, 
it's now allowable to you know call yourself number four. Well, no, I mean you're still going to pick a name that, but it it it's, it won't be unusual. Like, um, what's testing the? We should we'll talk about some of the some of these legal te- challenges in in Europe and the U.S. Are often as you say somebody that wants to be called number four or a punctuation mark. Um, in Asia, it's more like you know I went to a fortune teller. And he said, my business will succeed or my marriage will succeed or my children will get into university if um, I have a luckier name oh. and my current name is not cutting it. So I think that's what brings some political pressure to bear to liberalize these laws, which were previously like, no, like do what your parents said, dummy. Like this is a Confucian culture. If your parents wanted to name you Guiyu, they would have named you Guiyu. Is it also a thing where there there's kind of a... Uh, traditionally, maybe a limited number of surnames, or uh, they're not not in the in the way that we have here in the United States, where you, you end up just getting your parents can just name you a crazy. It would whatever. depend on the country. There is an equivalent of that in Japan. Um, Japan has something called kira kira names, which I think literally means like shiny or dazzling names, like you know, appealing to the magpie among us. Where uh-huh. and it's the equivalent of uh, you know an American parent wanting to give their kid a very showy, ungoogleable name that, that right. draws attention from daycare up. and um, Moon you know, unit or exactly. Dweezil. Your, your celeb name. And those have gone in and out of fashion in Japan. But, um, you know, Kira Kira names are, are sometimes thought to have um, some cachet. And other times it, it's just a relic of, it can, you can tell exactly when somebody was born, as with so many other trendy names. Right. If and Paula so, Yates was your mother, there's going to be an interesting, you're going to have... Tiger, what was that? What was, yeah, what was Tiger Lily? Tiger and... Lilies. But then I had another, it had like an Asian component after that, right? Yeah, I forget. Um, boy, I didn't think Polly Yates was coming up on the show. You today. never know. <laughs> she, she's everywhere. <laughs> Bob Gildoff, he's watching us from <laughs> afar. And so, so when Taiwan liberalized their laws in 2015, crucial to the change was that it, you could now change your name three times in your life. In your life, you get three name changes, which seems extremely generous. I've not even changed my name once. The average is certainly very close to zero. Yeah. The median, I guess, or uh, sorry, the mean, but, um, but they, there were some, you know, there were some limitations in the new code, which said, you know, you can change any name that is either unflattering or hard to Romanize would be lengthy or complicated in a, in a Western alphabet or, um, or, and this is the crucial point any other special consideration so so there's a bureaucrat sitting at a desk who gets to decide whether your name your old name was was too dumb or too long this is true in many cases including in the united states as oh, we will see but right. it, but in taiwan this uh special consideration clause really just became an open door like that's the loophole uh that you can drive a uh uh the world's Sushi largest Asian through. car through. Right. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is a large Asian car? Well, what's that one in Japan? The, uh, the, the, the limousine, the handmade limousine that they, that they made unchanged for many decades. Oh, I didn't know this. There's some, there's some Japanese legacy limo. Wow. Maybe I should do an omnibus on it. Um, maybe we should stop this one. We haven't got that far. <laughs> uh, it is called the Toyota Century. And it's like the, it's kind of known as the Yakuza car, but it's also, it, it's, it's, when you look at it, it's not really that amazing looking. It kind of looks like a, like a Bentley, but it's, uh, it's made in this. It kind of looks like an old Lincoln or something. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's like a handmade car that was, that was, I think, are they still making them? I'm not sure. Well, okay. <laughs> That'll make a legal loophole you can drive a Toyota Century through. There you go. So now at this point, pretty much all bets are off and Taiwanese kids can change their names 
should they want to. And uh, the day before the promotion is set to start, somebody on uh, somebody posts three different Taiwanese national IDs on which they have changed their name, legally changed their name to include Gui Yu, and they're joking about how they're going to use this to get free sushi. Do you get free sushi multiple times throughout the length of the um the promotion or is it is are they going to all this trouble for one trip to the- you know it's only the thing only lasts two days but you're right i think there would be maybe i'm not sure if there's a way to adjudicate um you know to keep someone from from double dipping but you know, if only, certainly yeah. if it's a chain with 20 outlets just hit the next one and order more yeah but if it only lasts two days i mean how much free sushi can any one person i mean yeah all these consume? people will die of mercury poisoning for sure um but this po- you know, this, this strikes the Taiwanese as such a great joke, people actually changing their name to the characters for salmon in order to get free food, that the post goes viral on Taiwanese Facebook. Lol. And now ever, Hashtag lol. And now what, what once was, some, you know, a crazy stunt from some drunk college kids, or maybe just a, a, photo, a funny Photoshop, suddenly becomes a thing. Um, people begin heading to, because you have to go to a government office and petition. So government offices in the week leading up to, or in the days of this promotion, start receiving just this outpouring of requests from Taiwanese people that want to change their name to Salmon. And there's some little old lady with, with uh, reading glasses going, why is everyone changing their name to Guiyu? Um, they, people begin changing their names to longer and longer, because ver- as long as the name contains Salmon, you're good. So people are, start posting their... Their own new ID cards, and they're trying to out out one up one another. You know, well, I'm Salmon Prince. Well, I'm Dancing Salmon. Well, I'm Salmon Fried Rice. Well, I'm Meteor Salmon King. That's thirty five characters long. So these records for name length are getting broken as well. Uh, as thousands of people, um, well, do thousands of people change their name? Sushiro ends up saying that they serve uh, almost two thousand people in this promotion, but some of them may have had. The characters for Guiyu in their already. characters already. How, how the government? The government seems to have records of upwards of you know hundreds, upwards at least upwards of three hundred people legally changing their name to these unlikely characters. How many of these restaurants are there in the chain? There's twenty, and it's not that big a country. Yeah. So I'm mean, I'm sure if you're in Taipei or Taichung or you know a big city, there's multiple sushiros you can attend. And some enterprising young people are doing this in order to because it's now free sushi for six. Right. So this is now an arbitrage opportunity where they can get online and be like, who wants um, steeply discounted sushi? I'll give you half off uh, if you pay me. So they're finding paid guests who will be free riders on all-you-can-eat sushi uh, at a, you know, they, they pay the new yeah. the new Mr. Meteor Salmon King uh, a, a small amount to eat for free. So it's and a then it becomes a sex trafficking thing. I don't see. I can see the arbitrage. I'm not sure how it becomes sex trafficking. <laughs> I'm I, I'm always curious about people like this that will go to such great lengths to make what? What's what? What is this? At the most, you're going to make a hundred dollars. Like, I mean, like it, it looks like you're going to have to at least go to their equivalent of the DMV twice. Like, is that really worth? Um, making a hundred dollars on your sushi hustle? It's like people selling an old chair on Craigslist for fifteen dollars. Like just having put it on there, it cost you more in blood, sweat, and tears than $15. Hello, Tushy. Hello, Tushy. Tushy, Tushy, Tushy. Hello. Is that Partridge Family? <laughs> Hello, Tushy, my old friend. How about a sad version? Like, oh. a, like a minor key acoustic guitar. Hello, Tushy. <laughs> Is it my Tushy you're looking for? 
hello, Tushy. Hello, Tushy. What's the, is the bidet saying hello to your Tushy? Is that the, is that what's going on here? Who is speaking in the sentence, hello, Tushy? The void. <laughs> the void. The void is speaking. Hello, Tushy. I. Hello, Tushy. I would like to recommend a better way to use the toilet. Tushy. It's, it's, Tushy. It's the voice of God. Over here. Tushy. Hello. Uh, hello, Tushy provides a better and more hygienic way to use the toilet. Yes. Uh, a famously uh, uh, unhygienic place. I mean, we're still using a descendant of what our caveman ancestors would do with uh, leaves and a hole in the ground. Hmm. And we're living in the 21st century. Yeah, there should be a space-age way to... We're living uh, in an age of wonders. A space-age equivalent of leaves and a hole in the ground. And what is it, Ken? It's the Hello Tushy 3.0 modern bidet attachment. Okay. It cleanses... Sounds very space It cleanses you with a precise stream of fresh water. Again, not something available to our hunter-gatherer ancestors unless they sat on the geyser just right. Right. And it's not an imprecise uh, geyser. It's not like you're sitting... It's not like somebody with a fire hose... It's not like you're... It's you're, not a blunt instrument, as it yeah, were. Right. This is precision stuff. You're not, you're not putting your tushy in a raging torrent. No, it's eco-friendly because you're going to use less toilet paper. It's easy to install um, because it doesn't require any electricity or additional plumbing. Uh, and it's affordable. Yeah, well, that levels the playing field. You don't want only some people to have... You don't want the billionaires the, to have clean butts and everybody right. else, you know, the 99.999% of humanity to have unclean butts. Yeah, we should start calling billionaires clean butts. Hey, what's up, clean butt? I bet your butt's really clean. Boy, that would really get them. No, but then it would be democratized by Hello Tushy 3.0, which well, is... You could stand up and say, I too am a clean butt. I too am a clean butt. Clean butts for the masses. We're all clean butts. Uh, it's sanitary. You... You spray, you dry, and you go. No, no, no poking around with little pieces of paper. Oh dear. Go to hellotushy.com slash omnibus to get 10% off plus free shipping of this incredible modern apparatus. Potty apparatus. Yeah. Incredible modern uh, hygienic system. This is a special offer for our listeners. Go to hellotushy.com slash omnibus to get 10% off. That's hellotushy.com slash omnibus. You know, novelty name changes and even name changes for kind of viral reasons. Uh, this is not, I mean, I, you're right. I think, I don't think there's a profit motive or even a more free sushi for me motive to a lot of it. This I think it's just it, fun. It's viral fun. Like I'm seeing all these people doing this. Wouldn't it be a kick if I could also be one of the salmon people? Um, and this is something, I mean, we've talked about what do you think is the oldest example of this we've put into the omnibus? Maybe the dancing sickness uh-huh. uh, of, of medieval a Europe? mass hysteria? Yeah, like it's a new kind of mass hysteria where you can suddenly be aware that you don't have to see it in the streets. Right. If, if it's all over your timeline, it's going to feel like everyone in the world is now talking about a thing. And even if it's bizarre, like going to a government office and changing your name to Mr. Salmon, um, you might still do it. It's a and, kind and, of and, um, like a mob, like a like a flash mob. Yeah, it's exactly it's a it's a sushi based flash mob, and I can see this. You know, if, if I go back and look at something uh, that I posted online or on social media at some point, like when you divorce it from the context of what people were talking about that day, 
Like I literally don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I sound, you know, at best like an idiot. Yeah. You're like, no, the moose had three hooves. Yeah. Or at worst, you know, you're saying something like, uh, no, the, uh, you know, insert, uh, insert personality type or, or human category here had three hooves. And then people are like, what, what were you saying? And yeah. I'm like, I don't remember. Like, <laughs> what was the discourse on September 8th, 2014. What were we all joking about that day? Who knows? I got hoisted by that petard. Sure, we all have. Yeah. Like at times, you know, at the time it totally made sense. Um, and I'm sure for these people at some point it's going to be like, Dad, why do you have this old ID where your name is Salmon? Well, <laughs> you got to understand in mid-March of 2000. So well, wait, but that, so this requires then that these people all then go back and change their name again. Because there are three name changes allowed, you don't have to worry about being named Meteor Salmon King forever. You can get in on the joke, ha ha ha, have a fun meal with your friends, soak Sushiro for, you know, $100 worth of sushi or whatever, and then just change it back. And, and you still have one more name change in the quiver. Yes. Uh, although it did lead to sad cases. For example, a man named, uh, previously named Chang, I guess, um, changed his name to Guiyu to get on on the joke and was then told by the government uh, agency that now he was out of name changes, that that was his, what? That, that was his third. And uh, in this, in the news story, it's, it's really played up as a, a tugging on the heart. So, you know, he's very remorseful. He's on the verge of tears as he discusses like what he has done to his, how he has torpedoed his life. He consults a lawyer. Who, cause he, cause he changed his name to like salmon butt wind or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not sure how he missed the other two. Like, how did he forget that he had already used the other two name changes? Or at least one other one, because he changed it and he has to change it back. He must have changed it once before. His name wasn't Chang when he was born. His, um, his lawyer tells him that the Name Act article also includes, uh, sorry, the Name Act law also includes a, a clause in Article 9, Item 2, which says that changes are always allowable past three if you have an elder relative, because, okay. you know, respect for the elders in these cultures, three uh, within three degrees of kinship to you, who has the exact same given name. In that case, and only in that case, as I presume a mark of respect, you would be allowed to, to have an extra name change. So his lawyer proposes, what if you have a relative that changes his name to Sam and whatever? Then, now you now have a duplicate name with him. Now you're allowed to change your name back. You get a mulligan. And then, presuming your relative is not at three, then he or she can change their name back. Um, so this is the kind of crazy scheme that Chang is now considering in order to avoid it being stuck as Mr. Salmon. He has to life. enlist his elderly aunt who doesn't know what's happening. Which I'm sure young people do all the time. Now, you don't need to understand this, Mima. I just right. I just need you to, you know, in, in the U.S., it would be like, I just need you to hand over your social security check. <laughs> yeah. If, this pa if a package arrives to you from Afghanistan... Right. Don't open it. I remember doing this in college, trying to explain to my dad, like, why I needed to um, start sending, uh, like, free CDs. I think maybe it was, it was some Columbia house, but it was like, I need to start sending some DVDs to your house, too, because I just want to run multiple. Uh, scams. I, I just want to have <laughs> multiple seven free CD, seven free DVDs things going at once. Every Belinda Carlisle seven inch. And he was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting in on whatever this scheme is of yours. I had a surprisingly few number, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't run schemes when I was young. I, I, I feel like I, I missed out somehow. There were more companies that could have been defrauded by a young yeah, John I don't, I don't think I defrauded a single thing. 
Single company. That's good. That's a better impulse. I mean, I know you're sticking it to the man, but you know who the face of that is? It's just some teen worker at Denny's that you're trying to, or some some Baskin-Robbins guy that you're trying to get an extra scoop out of. Yeah. And he'll just give you whatever to get you out of the store. Yeah. Um, so don't know, don't care. So I guess I did defraud that Hagen does. But laws about name changes vary widely. Have you ever been tempted to change your name for any reason? Was there ever a point in your life where you're like, John, that's so boring. Why am I not named Zephyr? No, I'm <clears throat> I'm hard to nickname and and I I never felt like John Roderick was that bad. I think I did I think I did briefly. Well, we talked about it. I went by J Morgan Roderick in the phone book when that's I right. first got a, a phone number. But no, I, I I never wanted. Did you? No, I mean, having the same name as my dad and my grandpa there's a lot of uh incentive to not change your name right even though you know i would never choose probably kenneth or wayne anymore like i didn't choose to pass it on to my kids but you're you're not flamboyant in a like give me a crazy name way no but you know young people increasingly are you know it's as i mentioned it's a trend in baby naming now that you try to choose something precious and special and that could cut both ways i mean it leads to a culture in which we you know the rarity of a name is equated with its um, with its value, and I think you right. know as a parent of two kids, I'm finding that they have lots of you know I, I have one kid that's actually going back and forth on possible oh, right. name name changes right now you know and it's yeah. you know so I'm I'm seeing firsthand that it's a little tricky to try to keep up with with what the kid thinks the name should be you know and and trying to avoid being like well actually I liked the last one uh, better I right. know. Because the kid doesn't care. But I think it also leads to the opposite thing where parents trying to give their kids special snowflake names are going to run into angry kids later in life that do not want to be called uh, Antenna or um, yeah. or Serendipity <clears throat> and then seek a name change just to fit in better. I, I met Moon Unit Zappa once and she goes by Moon. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, a hip-hop uh, graffiti artist name. Um, in the early nineties, I was known as eggs. Were you a hip hop graffiti artist? I went not through a long phase of, of doing graffiti, but uh, you know, I, I tagged a little bit. Were you good? Like, are you eggs is a, is a weird, uh, name to tag. So I did the G's as two circles, little circle on top, big circle on the bottom with a little tail. I like those. Yeah. And so that was my tag eggs. And then my punk rock name was Peter Out, which was thank you, thank you for the <laughs> smirk. Well, it works on it works on a couple of different levels. Yeah, and I always loved the name Peter, and I just felt like Peter Out. But I mean, uh, I, you know, I, it first occurred to me that it means to kind of to diminish, which yeah. is not super punk, but it also means maybe you're rocking with your Peter Out. Uh, my Peter Out, like Jim Morrison. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's a pretty good punk name. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the. Um, I published a few uh, zines, and my byline was Peter out. So there's a lot more novelty and vanity naming and name changing going on than before, and and cultures react differently. Like in Europe, they're a little bit more old fashioned, and courts will repeat, will actually tell parents, no, you cannot put N France will say no, you cannot put Nutella on the birth certificate. No, really, and you can't name your child Sarmazegatuza. Nutella is an actual case. Uh, they will. Um, what was the like? Fres, the French word for strawberry, was turned down by the whatever the French bureau in charge of of population. You couldn't name your daughter strawberry. No, which you know in the Ugh. U.S. would you know rarely you know, that wouldn't even raise an eyebrow in a 
in a Bay Area classroom. But they don't let you say they don't let you say hamburger either. New Ze- there was recently a high profile cl- a few years ago a high profile case in New Zealand. When was this? Uh, 2008. You might have heard about this. It's I don't know the. It seemed to come out of a vicious custody battle. You know, uh, uh, uh you know, a, a divorce and uh, who gets the kid? And it was a nine year old girl named Tallulah does the hula from Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bit much. Mm-hmm. And usually they're not a, even novelty names are, not, are usually not a complete sentence Mm-mm. with a prepositional phrase. I'm gonna give that the Roy Kent. Mm. <laughs> what a hip reference mm. uh, the future links look as long as you don't as long as you don't swear on the show and uh this got a lot of coverage in the in the papers because uh the judge ended up i think uh, i don't know wh- how, what relation this had i don't know which parent liked that name and which didn't but the judge actually took the gave the kid a court guardianship just because the Whoa. fact that she was named Tallulah Zahula from Hawaii was such a sign of parental neglect. Whoa. <laughs> and the articles often come with a list of which names had or had not been allowed in the New Zealand courts. You are apparently, you know, there's not, because nobody looks at precedent, really. So um, there are kids in New Zealand, New Zealand named number 16 bus shelter. Uh, multiple kids? <laughs> presumably where they were conceived. Just one. Yeah. This is, there are, there are kids named number 16 bus shelter, comma, midnight Chardonnay, and violence, names that have been turned down by uh, by either judges or bureaucrats, are Fish and Chips, Yeah Detroit, mm. Stallion, Twisty Poi. Stallion? These that all, seems like a... That's because you're just thinking of them as band names. Yeah. Like well, Stallion. Italian Stallion, uh, uh, Rocky Balboa. Twisty Poi. Mm. I can't read my own. Keenan Got Lucy. No. Or sexy- Especially if his, his parents are named Keenan and Lucy. I hope not. Sexy fruit. No. You, yeah. Well, you, the judges, the judge agreed in New Zealand. Sex, there are no, there are no sexy fruits in New Zealand. How would you like it if you were named after where you were conceived? That, <laughs> well, that would haunt you every day of your life. Like, uh, my name is ugh. air mattress. Yeah. The, um, flight I'm, to Mexico. And that's generally the justification given when courts rule against names that it's, uh, an act of cruelty of the against the ch- against the future child, right? You know, and of course that's impossible. Maybe the child would love to be called sexy fruit or twisty poi. We don't know. There's not. There's. It's hard to think of what diagnostics a judge would use to determine. Well, if so, they can always change their name to sexy fruit or twisty poi when they get older, I unless that's so. against the law. Well, it's hard to say which of these names makes you more po- popular in a second grade classroom in the year 2028. You know, you're, you're trying to predict the future. Will it be a social liability to be called Yeah Detroit? Or will you be oh, the or will you be the, to, the cool. toast the toast of daycare? What a cool punk name that is! Yeah, Detroit. <laughs> so, uh, so in uh, Taiwan, do, is there are there any statistics on how many people decided after they'd named themselves like heroic salmon rocket, they just decided to stay heroic I, salmon rocket? Uh, there is no record of anybody staying. Everybody, except, went except back. for except for maybe Chang, who could not. And had to work out a scheme. Everybody wanted to go back. Oh. Nobody wants... I mean, if, if you're in a culture where names uh, are held to have a lot of, you know, superstitious... I mean, not superstitious, but, you know, spiritual power and right. and meaning and ability to actually change the flow of fate and destiny for you, you don't want to risk being named um, uh, Salmon Prince. Well, no, but maybe if it was like the greatest salmon ever or something. I mean, you know, I, you could see, well, maybe not. 
in the United States, there are 46 states in which you can change your name without any paperwork whatsoever. Like you, you just decide? Yeah, legal name change constitutes what you say it is. But, no. But at any point, um, you know, it, it, if it's ever challenged, there are legal standards involved. Like it's, courts have generally held that the 14th Amendment includes in its penumbra the right to call yourself whatever you want. However, um, in cases where it's fraudulent, frivolous, or immoral, um, judges have routinely denied name changes. You know, and you know they're more worried about actual demonstrable harm. Like, is this person changing his name to try to confuse someone, or you know, perform identity, you know, identity theft essentially on a celebrity, you know, in hopes of right, 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 in hopes of. Uh, or, you know, a name that will incite violence. You know, racial slurs and obscenities have always been, generally been no-go, but not always. I mean, it, there's an interesting case from 1992 in Ventura, California, where a 65-year-old man wanted to change his name to Mr. Radical ID'd Super N-Word, except not the N-Word, the racial, you know, not the, the word N-word, N-word, the actual slur. <clears throat> you know, this is a... This he is, was a black guy. He was a black guy. Okay. And when asked about it by the paper, you know, I haven't read an interview with him. I don't want to, I don't know if he's, um, you know, a, a prankster or a nut job or a militant. Right. But in, when it asked him, you know, when quoted in the paper, he said, you know, it's what you would expect. He wanted to disarm the word of its power. Right. And, you know, nowadays with, with, um, you know, racial dynamics being what they are, this, he thought this was the only way to do it. That was a thing. And the court denied it. And so he went back and said he wanted to be called mystery n-word but the i the second i in mystery would be silent so in other words mr mr n-word <laughs> what if and that I, was denied again what if i change my name to i hate ken jennings.com yeah so uh defamatory names you know the judges have a judges have a lot you know there's a lot of judicial roulette here like there's a famous case where somebody got some judge somebody tried to change their name from martin to messiah and landed a, a conservative Southern judge who said, in the decision, there is only one Messiah, and his name is Jesus Christ. Whoa, harsh. And, and therefore, yeah, and denied the petition. This judge, realm. The judge was later, uh, whatever you can do to a judge in that Disbarred. state. <laughs> Derobed? Derobed. Disrobed. The judge was disrobed. Yes. Dewigged, fired, whatever it was, um, because of, of that decision. Uh, Let me just interject to say, I hate KenJennings.com is not, a website. No, you, nobody owns the domain. Oh, so you're inviting someone. Right now, I need to buy it. Get or it. Else, or else someone who lis- <laughs> is listening to this in a month is going to get it. But I love going through the list of, uh, of name changes that have been allowed or disallowed by judges in the United States. Well, wait. Now, you just you said earlier that anyone can just say that they have a new name. But isn't that a, a problem at the DMV and at the bank and at TSA? I mean, at what point... Can you go to the DMV and say, my new name is I Heart Huckabees? And and they are like, oh, okay. And they give you a new license. Uh, yeah. What? Pretty much. Really? Well, the person is allowed to do that, but that doesn't give a, a bank, for example, or an airline any uh, obligation to accept that name. Like they, they may say we require a court order. And I assume that would include, maybe that would include some government agencies, Right. like maybe even a department of licensing can say, I'm, I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a court order. If it doesn't match another ID, it seems like show me something you could do a little too whimsically. Um, 
to have four driver's licenses with four different names. Well, we're, we're two. Yes. I mean, we're two men talking about this. Uh, women still routinely in this country change their name at marriage. I see. And in those cases, they do not go before a judge. Yeah. They just call a, a, a customer service person and say, I just got married and my last name is now this. And they say, all right, ma'am. Right. You know, so I think that's the reason why the laws are, are, are you know, yeah, go by flexible. usage rather than, um, you know, some kind of legal decree or dictum. Oh, interesting. Um, but when they get challenged, you get a lot of interesting border cases. And for this, I'm indebted to Eugene Volokh, and that's not a sentence I ever wanted to say. The the libertarian legal blogger uh-huh. who is extremely interested in the history of name change law because, again, precedent does not seem to dictate much. Um, the Roman numeral three has been turned down as a name. I think the judge didn't like that it was spelled and pronounced differently. Uh-huh. This is three eyes, sir, Ew. but you want to say three? Uh, there was a man named Dengler who tr- from the Dakotas who tried to change his name to 1069. Michael Herbert Dengler wanted to change his name to 1069 and uh, was unable to do so in North Dakota. So he moved to Minneapolis and tried in the Minnesota court and was denied there as well. So he wasn't going to be known as 1069. He wanted to be called 1069. My guess is 1069 because in his petition, he he suggests what every number should mean. Um, you know, the, the six symbolizes his relationship to the intrinsic energy forces of the universe, right. where the nine represents his, his passage through life and the changes that time, you know, it's, it's, um, clearly. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the, the problem with the judge in both cases brought was that he wanted to actually have use the digits as his name. And that was a bridge too far for both of these jurists. If he had, if he had just spelled it out, Mr. 1069, he might have got away with it. But he wanted, it was very important to him that it be the numbers. For some reason, judges really get hung up on these little name technicalities, maybe because they don't want to deal with how inflammatory this is or, or whatever. There was a, in 2006, a man named Darren Lloyd Bean wanted to change his name to um, two things. He wanted to change his middle name to QX, but it would be pronounced Lloyd. And he wanted to add an exclamation point to the end. And when he went before the judge, he said that, yeah, all my friends are on board. They just generally tend to say the word bean either in a slightly louder voice or with a, uh, an Darren up- Lloyd Bean, or with an uplift of pitch at the end to yeah. convey the exclamation point, Your Honor. This is not going to be a problem. And the judge denied it, saying you cannot have a punctuation mark in the name. The judge's name was O'Rourke. <laughs> and I think this was brought up that it's it's commonplace to have an apostrophe in certain names. And the judge said, "Well, yes, but then in those cases, it's clear what letters are being elided." And is, uh, is it? Is it? No, I mean, uh, it seems like O an, stand for. An, an, I think there it's of. So oh, of Rourke. The apostrophe there is an F. But you know, an apostrophe can literally elide any letters or combination of letters in English. So that didn't seem like the uh, the strongest argument. There was a famous case in San Francisco where a man was mad that he could not name his daughter Lucia because uh, I with an accent mark is not in the character set available to you. Huh? Presumably a, a Latino petitioner wanted to name his daughter Lucia and because he couldn't put the I on the, the accent on the I, it just looks like Lucia. And he was pissed off and wrote an op-ed about it. I'm on his side. I with an accent mark, <laughs> I am as well. And I, my guess is that's the kind of thing that has changed in the 15 years since that story. Took yeah, place. you're right. Like, if you wanted to put an umlaut over a U in your name, if, you're, if your name was Bruce and you wanted to be Bruce, 
that seems more like it's a it was just a typographical yeah uh, stricture of of you know ASCII or whatever they their system was. Well, of course you can put the accent, sir, but we just can't put it in the computer. Right. The birth certificate only prints these characters. Well, you can take a ballpoint pen out and write it on the sheet. I found out that's how Jeopardy adds the accent marks to its clues. Jeopardy doesn't have a... Uh, is Jeopardy still using a 1986 key set? Uh, they have all... Uh, I think they have all the characters available, but when they output it to to produce a paper version of the show, it, it replaces... You've probably seen this happen in various HTML-based systems. The uh, the A with the accent marker, the U with the umlaut, suddenly becomes number sign and then a Unicode symbol. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, when an accent has to be placed on the little blue screen of a Jeopardy clue, it's dropped in by hand. Wow. And the paper printout will not have the uh, the accent on, um, you know, Medellin or whatever it is. Uh, in Ohio, you are not allowed to be named Santa Claus, but in Utah, you are. There have been two gentlemen trying to be name themselves Santa Claus. Uh, we should put them in a in a uh, Thunderdome and make them fight it out. Well, one of them is not Santa Claus because he he had the mistake to be to try it in Ohio, where the judge said there's a long tradition of identity bound up in being Santa Claus, and this is effectively identity theft, sir, for you yeah. to try to say you're Santa Claus. Right. It'd be like naming yourself Mickey Mouse. Uh, Disney would sue you. Well, yeah, but who, nobody has intellectual property over Santa Claus. This is oh, just right. a judge appointing himself the uh, the guardian of Santa Clausness. Not like the judge in Miracle on 34th Street who was trying to avoid being the arbiter of <laughs> I feel like Santa Claus. Two Santa Clauses enter, one Santa Claus leaves is is something that I would I would pay to see. The the criteria are often extremely uh the criteria are often extremely loose. A woman uh, in Pennsylvania tried to change her name to just Mary R, tur- mm-hmm. turning her uh, her last name to R, and the judge just could not countenance that in our society. He said for someone to just have a letter instead of a last name, would cause, quote, repeated suspicion and distrust. Yes. Madam, I must protect your future self from all the suspicion and distrust you will receive when your name is R. She could have just spelled it A-H-R. A lot of this seems to be, now that I think about it, a lot of this seems to be um, relics of a kind of pre-multicultural America where we think of a good, solid Anglo-Saxon name that you've right. heard of as a... As a um, requirement for a, a good right. uh, respectable life robison what do you mean isn't it robinson where oh, is that some french name whereas today i think we know very well that it's like it's in bad form to even remark on somebody having a hard to pronounce name or right. you know that because that's a microaggression that somebody with say a lengthy south asian name will just get all the time in life and will have to patiently um you know, correct or explain to clerks a, a bajillion times. Everybody in Washington State can say Tuiasa Sopo, because, <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't true in 1980. And really, when we say, what an unusual name, or even can you spell that for me, what we're saying is, I could easily spell a name that long in my culture, but, um, but yours is the weird one. Yeah. My favorite case was in 2003, a woman who worked for PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals was a, you know, like probably most of their employees was a a passionate 23 year old young woman uh, who really would believed in the, her, her vegan lifestyle and the inherent virtue and superiority of it. I would say don't stereotype, but no, you're dead on. Well, we're going to see in a moment. (laughs) She was not alone. She asked the court if she could change her name to go veg.com 
which was the PETA website extolling the virtues of the vegetarian and vegan lifestyles. Yeah. Which is probably still up today. Well, you I'm, I'm going to go look right now. And she thought the website was just underserved, like people who, who should know about it didn't. And what better way to be a representative goveg.com than for her name to actually be goveg.com. It looks like goveg. Yes, I mean... But uh, right there, boom, splash page, how to go vegan. It's a one, two, three process. One, what to buy. Two, what to make. Three, where to eat. Well, maybe it would be go veg then, because just being a vegetarian is not good enough for the go for the purity of the of, yeah. the of the PETA folk. So it would be go veg. I just thought it would was like how how would you spell veg out in front of the TV? V e g. Yeah. So sometimes a word. Veger. Veger. Or veger. Vigor. It's true that there's not a lot of words in English that end with a G, uh, uh, that end with G and it's a soft G. Yeah, right. It's always vague. It would be vague normally. It, honestly, the only exceptions might be veg and vag. <laughs> are, 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 are there any others? <laughs> that end with a soft G? Mm. Uh, Curage? <laughs> no, that's... If they're French, they have an E after the G. Yeah. Picard doesn't fight the Borge. J soft G. Um, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll leave that as an exercise to the listener. Anyway, somehow she, even though maybe because it's the early days of the internet, the guy sees it as just like changing your name to any other slogan. And she's affiliated with the organization that owns it. So uh, the courts agree that she can be named goveg.com. And in fact, um, some of her coworkers who also um, manage different PETA mini sites. Uh, change their name to the sites as well. You know, the somebody who doesn't like circus treatment of animals actually changes his name to, you know, don't trust ringling or dot com, and somebody else changes her name to kentuckyfriedcruelty.com. Um, there's an epidemic of this. Uh, I believe all three of them later leave PETA as an employer. And suddenly they're trying uh -oh. to get a job and their names are now KentuckyFriedCruelty.com. Right. And they got it tattooed on their face. They all changed their name. I mean, Tracy back, Jordan's uh, like number one guy is named .com. Yeah. But I don't know if, did you think he legally changed his name? I assumed Grizzin.com were nicknames. I always assumed that they changed their name. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, really, most people with odd names probably are just using their Nickname. They're probably using them as nicknames. They probably never tried to get new ID or, or open a checking account under that name. I have a friend who just changed her name or just changed her legal name. For marriage or for other reasons? No, for other reasons. She, in fact, she was divorced and got rid of her old name. And while she was at it, gave herself a new first name too. And it just like a couple of weeks ago, got a new everything. And what's the, what's Legally. the, what's the etiquette? Send out an email. Hey, by the way, I'm going by. I think so. Send out an email from your new email address. So all your friends are like, who's this email? If, from? And if this is okay to ask it, it wasn't a no identity or pronoun kind of change was involved. She just had a name she liked better. Yeah. Just her. She felt like, I mean, kind of like you, Ken Wayne, her old name was something like Tiffany, uh, Janet. And she was like, that's not me. I'm not a Tiffany anymore. And I don't, and my last name doesn't have anything to do with me anymore. So I'm just wiping the slate clean. And my new name is going to be, I hate Huckabees.com. Did she pick a name that was, um, unusual? Was it yeah. a, a Kira Kira name? Yeah. It's not a, uh, it's not a name that I'd ever heard of before. And, and it sounds vaguely, um, she's Asian and it sounds vaguely, 
it's not, it doesn't really sound like an Asian name, but it sounds like a name that You're, maybe, are, are you trying not to say exotic? No, but I, that maybe an Asian mother who was assimilating into the United States might give her daughter that wasn't quite, didn't name her Tiffany. But it, it's like a variant on a, it sounds like it's kind of a, a, a cousin of a, of a more traditional name. No, I don't know. It's very hard to, because I'm, because I'm giving my impression of the name. Like what's my impression of, of the name? Sure, it could be different to But a different it feels person. to me, she's a Chinese girl, but it feels like a Filipina name. But it isn't one. It just sounds like one in the Filipina space. And it's completely made up. I think if you Googled the name, you would not find a single reference to it. It's just, and it's an unusual six-letter name that you could you could it's crazy to think you could even make up a name that didn't that somebody didn't have. But I think you could I think she you couldn't get the Google you couldn't get the Gmail address because every six letter Gmail address it's is somewhere. taken. Yeah. I've heard that's actually something parents now look for. Like they, they get a, a certain kind of parent will be annoyed if they can find another kid with that name. Right. So they name because their kids Squeeze Squeeze. They want to be the pioneer of, of naming a, a child something new. And I really think, I mean, I, I'd like to play moral relativist on this show and say everything's equally good, but um, that just strikes me as a terrible impulse to, to treat naming a baby as an ego act related to yourself. Yeah. And not something that you're doing for the child. I mean, it's hard to imagine what the child will want, but surely you can use basic principles of empathy to think when I was in first grade, would I have wanted to be named squeeze screw to be called squeeze screw. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like we're living in a world, right? Like I have John Roderick.com. Now there's a real estate agent in Philadelphia. Oh no, I'm sorry. The real estate agent is in Australia. There's a, like a business guy in Philadelphia. They both are named John Roderick. They just got to the space a little bit late and neither one of them has johnroderick.com. Now, for the rest of eternity, at least for the next 60 years, I'm going to, I and my descendants, if I die of a heart attack in the next year, are going to be johnroderick.com. You but, planted the flag. But there will be thousands of John Rodericks into the future and they each have to then be like... Yeah, I'm John Roderick, 17426AX. We were blessed to be really the only generation in history that that was allowed a one-time only resource related to our names. There's really no analogy to to email addresses or URLs before in human history. Right. Was there? Because Cause it's know, global. Because if you started a bank account under the name of John Roderick, it, there, there's nothing like that that would prevent other John Rodericks from having the same access. Yeah, right. When you go when you go to your bank and you say, my name's John Roderick, they go, are you the one that lives in Lake Forest Park? And you're like, I oh, know, I'm the other one. But yeah, it's uh, so so naming your kid Squeezquoo is your attempt to deal with this current situation. I mean, there is that. But it can't possibly be true 80 years from now that the fu- future kids named Ken Jennings are like, yeah, I'm Ken Jennings 6,422. Something else will happen, right? It has to be... Yeah, we'll all die when the comet hits. It has to be democratized. But like every person we know that's more that's that's a celebrity of any kind, they all have the Gmail address that's just their name. Uh, they may not all answer to it, but I'm sure Adam Savage has Adam Savage at Gmail. Um that but that's all a, a, that's, a certain kind of early adopter yeah. in the early 90s but it's all done now 
And I'm it's like so, a land rush. I'm so infuriated when I log on to a website and John Roderick is already taken as a username. I'm like, how dare you? I am the John Roderick here, sir. I mean, it really is the madam. equivalent of people who were in the right place at the right time to get the Midwest. Right. You know, like <laughs> right. You know, there was only one American uh, frontier right. and we weren't treating the actual occupants as people at the time. Council Bluffs was there and you could get it or not. Yeah. And uh, just by virtue of an accident and now some of their families, um, you know, basically control whole cities or industries right. because they were in the right place at the right time. The Warehouser family is is still doing okay. I hope that's true of, of us with our good email addresses. Don't you think? Don't you hope that turns into prestige for us in 40 years when I, everybody's what i just read a thing uh that facebook had to pay two hundred thousand dollars for facebook.com in 2006 because they hadn't thought they didn't think to get it somebody <laughs> else got it and they but i mean imagine if they hadn't gotten today it, right my favorite name change story in our family is a cousin of my wife's who um i think was just kind of feuding with his parents and decided he didn't want his first name or their last name anymore and so he joined the military and changed his name, and he changed it to Jake Radcliffe. Yeah. And we love it. Because if you're going to change your name, just change it to like a soap opera name. Sure. You know? Jake like, Radcliffe. Just be Jake. There's not going to be a time when being Jake Radcliffe won't be an asset. Um, that's not, that, that's never going to go away. Well, you know, when I think about it, this is a huge thing in Hollywood, right? I mean, you change your name to, to uh, you know, Sam Hawk. Because your real name is something, you know, something a little too yeah, syllabic or too Gordon, ethnically specific. Sure. Or, well, let's test this. Do soap names ever go out of style? Like, let's take a, a long lost soap opera like Ryan's Hope. Okay. The characters were named things like Mitch Bronsky. Uh, see, I don't know who the main characters are because this is a very expansive list. Tom Desmond, Liam Donahue. No, it's exactly right. Beryl Feldman, Chantal Dubajak. Yeah, Dubajak. I think they're a little more ethnic than you'd think. There's Feldmans and Finellis all over the place here, but for the most part, yeah, these are soap operas. The names are the names that will not go out of style. You can always be Charlotte Greer, Catherine Hayes, um, Steve Latham. They're a little less cool than I thought, but a lot of them are kind of Richard Rowan kind of romance novel names. Dr. Ben Shelby. So, yeah, I think that's the thing to do. If you're going to rename yourself something, just make sure it wouldn't sound out of place in like a 70s soap opera. And you've probably got future compatibility assured. Well, here's a, here's a, a, a website, namegenerator.org.uk. And... Um, it asks you all these questions. It says, oh man, this is getting boring. Um, <laughs> Were you going to do the whole thing? Yeah, I was. I was going to fill it all out. It's but going to uh, ask for but your email it's just, Yeah, it did. It, so it's a scam. It's, it's trying, to get, your, uh, it's trying to, to get your name on their list. Oh, screw that website. Don't go there. You revoke your, uh, your recommend. In fact, we're going to have Mark Miles go back and bleep out where you named it. Yeah, I got, I got all, I got all the way up into that, and then no thanks. And that concludes Salmon Chaos, entry one zero nine eight dot LK zero five zero six, certificate number five zero nine two zero, in the omnibus. Future links in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, you probably will have a clever name because 
You're tired of being John Roderick 172 XL. Names may be uh, names may be obsolete. Squeezequo. Squeezequo. I was I was listening to somebody give a talk about like whales and his take was that they all had names because they have identifying things they say. Oh. But that doesn't necessarily mean a name cuz I don't know if the whale if another whale will use that to refer to that whale. That's the like thing. it's more like I'm here, you know. I'm here. Yeah, it's more like a Theme song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Your, your theme music that enter, that plays when you enter. Uh, you can find us at Omnibus Project on the internet, at Ken Jennings, at John Roderick. Um, our email is theomnibusproject at gmail.com. Our uh, Patreon, where you can support the show, is at patreon.com slash omnibusproject. You can join other futurelings who are um, listeners to the show and fans of the show by Googling Futureling, and you'll find that there is no Futureling172.xr because Futurelings are almost exclusively Omnibus fans. And you can send us mail at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Ken, have you got any mail I'm looking there? at a note we got from Gabriel. Um, he apparently has met both of us. I think... Um he met me at a fundraiser where I auctioned off uh, playing on somebody's pub trivia team, or at least I assume that's how. That's why I'm here at this Irish pub in Wallingford wow, with him. Yeah, and do you remember where you met him there? He's met us both, but not together. Oh, hello, Gabriel. And I'm wearing a tuxedo. And where would that be? Where did I ever wear? I mean, I recognize the blue velvet tuxedo, and I'm wearing a, a pink spotted bow tie quite expertly. Yeah, but, tied, but that's you, so that could be anywhere. Like yeah, that, that's true. That could be you at a at a Dick's drive-in. He's he's wearing a, a blue blazer and a gray hoodie and a t-shirt, so it's not a thing that he had to come correct to, but it does look like it's in a theater somewhere, like in the you, lobby you of the theater. He must have just performed. So uh, he's a handsome fellow. He just sent us a note. Uh, we I guess we had mentioned the mnemonic to remember... That a 1L llama is a priest and a 2L llama is a beast. Oh. He points out that there, you know, first of all, he quotes the Ogden Nash poem. What is it? I would bet a- And I would bet a silk pajama, pajama there isn't any 3L llama. But inside, but inside he, he, he uh, improves the joke by saying, a 3L llama is a big fire in Boston. It, oh, it, took, me, nice. it took me a second. That's nice. 3L llama. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Thanks, Gabriel. Yeah, thank you, Gabriel. And uh, and yeah, you, it was easy for Ken to identify the picture because, because he's at while Murphy's. Why else am I in a bar? Um, I'm going to say that that picture was taken at Town Hall. Let me see the lobby. Or it might be uh, an art museum. Does that, does that look like Town Hall to you? That could actually of, be a Town Hall. But you're right. All we can really see is that one wall. Yeah, but it's a... But the, Tall ceilings. So that might be in the rehabilitated town hall space. Does town hall have a door with a green exit sign over it? Because if so... <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> Thank you, Gabriel. Listeners from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows... And we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. <laughs>